How good it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for being here. As has been mentioned, if you're a visitor, we're glad you're here. You are an honored guest. I hope that the things that I have to say this morning you will find are accordance to God's will, because that is my desire as we study the scriptures together. I have chosen for the topic, as Caleb read, thank you, Caleb, the Psalms 141. This congregation is a prayerful congregation. All of us, I am confident, pray to our God. The scriptures talk, tell us to pray without ceasing. Now, obviously, you can't pray 24 hours a day. The idea of having a prayerful heart, a mind directed to pray. And in that idea is the fact that I don't care how often you pray, it's not enough. We need to pray often and with sincerity as we speak to our God. But let me tell you something about myself and see if you fit in this category. Now, Monty led the public prayer, and it, it follows a format, and we all know the format, and it's good that way. When I pray, oftentimes I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those of the congregation that need healing or maybe there's been a death, and, and I pray for those that mourn. I pray for our nation. I pray that the pandemic will eventually and quickly come to an end. I'm not sure what you pray for, but that's mostly the kind of things I pray for. But you know what? Prayer is personal. Prayer is between me and my God. And for us that are in this dispensation in time, it's through Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. So I want to look at a prayer that David had, the first five verses there of the 141st Psalm, because David prayed for David. Now, there are other places in Psalms that he prayed for the nation, and he prayed for other people, and he prayed for safety and so on, but in 141, he prayed for himself. And I think there's a lesson for you and I as we go through here, to gain from this idea that we need to have a personal prayer. It's important that we pray for ourselves. First of all, we believe that God hears the prayers of his people. If we don't, then why pray? Prayer is something of faith. It's the fact that when we pray, we know that there is a being that's listening. Certainly, prayer is one of those things that is embedded in faith. We have to believe that he cares. We have to believe that he listens. David said it this way, Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Not only does he say, Lord, listen to me because I need you to. But he says, make haste. I don't want to put it off. I don't want you to answer me tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I need an answer now. Haste. Give ear to my voice when I cry to you. Do you think God hears you when you pray? He does. We need to have that faith, that understanding that when we go to God in prayer, it's personal. 
and that he's listening. In Psalms 34, in the 15th verse, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Well, all of us in here understand we're not very righteous. We're not. And yet he hears our prayers. Why? Because we have a Savior. Because Jesus Christ died so that we can have our sins forgiven. But more than that, he stands before the throne of God and petitions God for us. So even though we ourselves are not righteous, Christ is righteous. The eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. He doesn't listen to the evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. They're not to be remembered in the earth. And in the 17th verse it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. We're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the righteous cry out. Do you cry out to the Lord when things aren't going well? When you need comfort? When you need help? David said the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. God hears the prayers of the people, of his people. Look at Psalms 102. One of the longest titles of any of the Psalms. It says, a prayer of the afflicted. When he is overwhelmed and pour out his complaint before the Lord. For those of us with any age on our bodies, we've been in this situation. Someone in our family is very ill. Our children are sick. They're not doing well. I've lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay the car payment. We are afflicted. And sometimes we're overwhelmed. But this prayer, he said, is for those that are that way. For they pour out their complaint before the Lord. This life is not easy. And if you're in it for very long, you'll find out that there are really trials and tribulations that come along and there's not a whole lot we can do about them. And sometimes they're overwhelming. I've been there. You've been there. But this prayer that David said, it's those that are afflicted. Look what he says. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I'm in trouble and incline thy ear unto me in the day when I call. You know, we pray to the Lord and we oftentimes pray for things of the future. And maybe they happen next year or the year after that or maybe never at all if his answer is no. But this prayer of the afflicted, David said, I need help now. I need prayer answered today. What did he say? Answer me speedily. The faith that David had that he could pray when he is despondent, when he's depressed, when he's overwhelmed, is the fact that God will answer quickly and can answer quickly. 
So hear my prayer as an afflicted person. And I need help today. I need to answer today. I need you to answer me speedily. I saw a quote, though, on the other side of this that I'd like to bring up. And the quote said, if the only time you pray is when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. We need to pray when we're in trouble. But we need to pray when things are going good. Praise God because of it. We need to pray when things are the way we would like for them to be. And that happens because God protects and helps his children. So we don't need to just pray when things are going bad. That's important. But we need to pray when things are going good. We remember the account that we find in 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. Elisha, he challenged the prophets of Baal. They build an altar, and you pray to your God and see if that altar will be consumed. And I'll pray to my God at my altar, and we'll see it's consumed. And we'll find out who is God. Now, there's two things about this. Number one, Elisha, he had a sure bet on one side. Baal wasn't going to answer. He knew Baal was not a god. He knew that Baal was just a figment of of these people's imagination, that he was an idol. So he didn't have to worry about them succeeding. And in fact, after they had tried for a number of hours, it says here in the 27th verse, and so it was at noon that Elisha mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is is a god. Either he is meditating or he's busy Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. He was mocking them. So they cried out and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Was Elijah worried that Baal was going to come down and take up that sacrifice? I don't think so. But also, where was Elisha's faith? How much faith does it have to know that I can ask God for something now. It wasn't going to do any good if God came three days later and took up the altar. It had to be now. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed and burnt sacrifice the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. How much faith does it have to pray to God and ask for something now? Elisha had it. He lost it, which is amazing, but he had it. And, of course, God answered his prayer. In the second verse here in 141, David talks about a little bit about the attitude of prayer. What should our prayer be like? What what should we think? How should we pray? Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. May my prayer be pleasing to you as incense, as the smoke of sweet-smelling incense they used much in that day. 
the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The evening sacrifice, the lamb and the evening sacrifice gave it all. Died. David said, let my hands be lifted up, that I'm giving all in my prayer, that I'm telling you all that I, I can tell you, that, and hopefully it will be pleasing to you as incense. In Revelation, of course, in the 8th chapter, in the 3rd verse there, we find this reference to incense and prayer. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. The King James Version renders this as the prayers of the, of the saints were the smoke, were the incense. But in either case, the sweet, sweet smelling savor of the incense was mixed with the prayers of the saints. God enjoys the prayers of the saints. He enjoys for us to ask. He wants us to ask. He looks forward to us asking. And Psalms 34 again, but now in the 17th verse, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as has a contrite spirit. Excuse me, I'm going to have to. I am over my cold, but sometimes it gets to me. What kind of attitude of prayer? He listens to those people that have a broken heart, that are humble, and a contrite spirit that are not proud. We all know of the parable in Luke, the 18th chapter. There in the ninth verse it says, speaking of Jesus, and he spoke this parable to someone who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector... Was there anything in this man's prayer that was not a good thing? He says, I'm not an extortioner, and I'm not unjust, and I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like that tax collector over here that's taking money from the children of Israel for the Romans. But the key word there is himself. Didn't do him much good to pray to God because he was really praying to himself, saying, look how good I am. Of course, the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What is your attitude in prayer? Well, I pray, and I'm so much better than these people out here that don't even believe in God. Or this man out here that lies, I know, or doesn't do a good job at work and tries to get away with it. Is that the kind of prayer I'm saying? I'm much better than that person. But let me tell you, we're not. The only reason that we 
are as we are is because of our Savior and because of the grace of God and because of the salvation that we have. So we always need to remember that our prayers, God be merciful to me, a sinner. In Isaiah, the 57th chapter and the 15th verse, For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, El Shaddai. I dwell in the house of the high and the holy place with him who hath contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contract ones. I think we're pretty safe in saying that people that are prideful aren't going to heaven unless they can correct that. God's not interested in dwelling with prideful people. He's interested in dwelling with people that have contract and humble spirit so that he can lift them up. So he can let them enjoy heaven because they are lifted up from, from their humble and contrite spirit. You and I need to be that type of person, that type of Christian. In the third verse here, David talks about the tongue. Jesus told us that the tongue is an indicator of what's coming out of the heart. That's what defiles a man. It's what comes out from what he's thinking and what's in, it, what's in his mind and his heart. And it is, the tongue is an indicator of what we think and what's in our heart. What did David say? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. That's a good prayer. How often have I opened my mouth and said something and tenth of a second later wished I hadn't said it? So David's prayer for himself was help me, Lord. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. That ain't easy. And he needed help. Look at Psalms 37 and 30. The mouth of the righteous speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. If you're going to say something, let's say something that has wisdom or understanding in it. Let's talk about justice. But you know how you get there? You get there because of the 31st verse. The law of his God is in his heart. If the law of God is in our heart, if the scriptures are there, if we study them, if we look at Jesus' life and we strive to do what he does, then we will speak of wisdom and justice. And you know, if the Lord of his God is in his heart, he won't make a mistake. None of his steps shall slide. He will do good with what comes out of his mouth, comes out of my mouth. Of course, in James 1 and 26, if anyone among you think he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, that one's religion is useless. King James Version says, in vain. A person that considers himself religious 
but cannot control his tongue and says things that he shouldn't say because he's saying the things that are coming out of his heart. Says this religious is in vain or useless. Also, he may think he's religious, but he's deceiving his own self for that reason. Back to Psalms 34 again, but now verse 12. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good and keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit? We have to strive to do that. We have to work at keeping our tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. Speaking lies, speaking half-truths, speaking things that are not as they are. David said this, or Psalms David said this in Psalm 17. Hear my just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. God, listen to me because I don't, I'm not deceitful. I am not trying to fool people. I am not trying to lie. I am trying to tell the truth. Give ear to my prayer because I don't have deceitful lips. Let my vindication, vindication is proof that something has happened. Come from your presence. May I be vindicated or may it prove this because you're with me and you're in my presence and I understand it and I feel it and I know you're there and other people look and know it's there. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let my eyes look on the things that are upright. We don't need to spend our time in the gutter. We need to spend our time on the things that are upright. The third verse is one that's hard for me because I don't think I could say this. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing. That's a pretty strong statement. God looks into my heart and doesn't find anything wrong. That's what David's saying. But then I like the fact that he says, and I have purposed that my mouth should not transgress. If you don't want to have deceitful lips, if you don't want to say things you shouldn't say when you get up in the morning, you need to purpose in your heart that says, I'm not going to do something bad today. I'm not going to say something that's going to cause someone injury today. And that's what David said. He said, I purpose in my heart that my mouth would not transgress. What a prayer that is. And the fourth verse, David talks about keeping himself from evil influences. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, not to think upon evil, not to think of something that is not holy or righteous, not to practice wicked works with other people that are doing wicked works. Now, We live in this world, we are not out of the world per se, and we go to work and we go to school and we have many people that we see in the community, but we don't want to be entangled with them. We don't want to look at them 
and work with them in their works of iniquity or things they do wrong. And it says, do not let me eat of their delicacy. Let's not look and be envious of the fact that that person's doing really well, but he's doing really well because he's doing bad things. Let's not want to do the things that people in the world do that we know are not right. Solomon said in Proverbs 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. People are going to maybe ask you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. And although it's not easy, it's just no. I'm not going to. Hard to do sometimes, but it's straightforward. Just say no. The 15th verse says, My son, do not walk in the way of them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Don't get entangled with people that are of the wrong crowd. Don't get entangled with people you know are doing things that your parents know you shouldn't do. And you know that your parents know you shouldn't do it. So don't do it. It's hard. But it can be done. In Psalms, the 36th Psalm, we find here an oracle. An oracle is a statement. Something that has... I've learned that's the truth. I've been wisdom in the fact that I've lived a while and I, I look and this, this is the truth. It's an oracle within my heart concerning the transgressions of the wicked. There's no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes. When he finds out his iniquities and when he hates. You know, he flatters himself or he, he makes excuses for himself. When he even finds out that he's doing bad, And he hates others. The word of his mouth are wicked and deceit. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He despises wickedness on his bed. He thinks about things he can do that are wrong. And he sets himself in a way that is not good. His his intention is not to do what's right. That is the transgression of the wicked. That's the oracle or the statement that he came up with. You can watch TV news. Whoops. You can watch TV news and you can understand that wicked people just don't abhor evil anymore. Doesn't bother them what they're doing. We need not get mixed up with those kind of people. We need to keep ourselves upright and away from the evilness that's in the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? We are in the world... And there are people around us that are not doing good. But we don't have to get mixed up with them. We don't have to get entangled with them. We don't have to be... be, uh, We don't don't have to do as they do. You know, and Jesus, in what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer, lead us not unto temptation 
but deliver us from the evil one. When we pray a personal prayer to our God, that's a good line. Keep us from temptation and help us that we don't get involved with people that we know we shouldn't be involved with. And lastly, in verse 5, we find here where the psalmist David talks about something that's pretty hard for humans to bear. It's, pretty, it's just not human nature. He said, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. And let him rebuke me. It shall be as an excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayers against the deeds of the wicked. What's he praying for? He's praying for people to make correction for him. To tell him when he's wrong. That doesn't fit with me very often when someone tells me I'm wrong. But he says, it's good. If someone that's righteous tells me I need to change, then that's kindness. And I need to adhere to it. Proverbs 9, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still wiser, be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. That's what we need to look at in correction. If someone corrects us and what they're saying is correct, then we need to change our ways. And guess what? The wise man gets wiser. If you teach a just man, he'll get more learned. He'll be better tomorrow. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Sometimes difficult to do. We want to bristle up and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. But we need to look to see if what's being said to us is right and we are wrong. He who heeds counsel is wise. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, Paul said this, And you have forgotten the exhortations which speak to you as a son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, chastens and scourges every son who he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten we need to know that it is good for us to be corrected when we're doing something wrong it says here that God does that to his children because he wants them to be right he wants them to understand what they're doing is wrong and this is what you need to be right so correction is a good thing it's just not often very pleasant. Hebrews 12 and 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. It doesn't feel good to be corrected. It doesn't feel good to be chastened. And it's not joyful at the time. 
But afterwards, if one learns from that, they understand what they need to do and they will be better for it. He says, don't be depressed. Don't drop down and and look at the ground because someone's corrected you and you found out that what you were doing wasn't right. Don't be that way. Instead, strengthen your hands, which hang down, and stand upright because you have been chastened you have been corrected you understand that you were wrong and now you fixed it so be happy that you have as we started in the beginning prayer is a faith we need to believe that God hears our prayers one of the scriptures that I like in the Old Testament a lot is Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, excuse me, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. He says, I know what I think of you, and what I think of you is good. What I think of you is to give you future and to give you hope. And he said, with that, you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Can you believe the creator of all that is, the God of gods, when you pray, stops whatever he's doing and listens to you? What a blessing. What's something that you and I ought to do more often? It ought to be personal when we pray to God. Now, God especially pays attention to his children. And to be his child, one must follow the gospel, must answer the gospel call. If someone has been sufficiently taught and understands that Jesus is the Son of God and willing to confess that, have their sins washed away through baptism so they can walk a newness of life, be clean, and their prayers before God will be like David's who said, look in my heart. I haven't done anything because your Savior saved me. If there's someone subject to gospel call, we ask you to come as we stand and sing the song selected.